Welcome to this week's episode of Uncovered for Pole Dancers, a podcast created by pole dancers for pole dancers. I'm your host, Stephanie Quinn. This week, we have somebody who is no stranger to being on our podcast and delivers a wealth of knowledge every time she's here. Welcome back to the podcast, Simone. Thank you for having me. Always love being on the Uncovered podcast. Woohoo! Um, we are going to talk about something that goes hand in hand with the last episode Simone did with us. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to our cross-training episode that we did, um, released, I think it was in August of this year, oh, July, July July of this year. So go back and have a listen to that one because this will be a nice little follow-up episode to that. Today, we're talking about recovery. Yay. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> so excited. The one thing that um, I'm sure there's a few pole dancers out there who go, Ooh, I'm not very good at that sometimes. So we're going to be diving into all things recovery today. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start just, should we just start with what recovery is? Yeah. It's, <laughs> do you know what? I, my physio brain was like, a definition straight away and then I was like no no let's just make this layman's terms. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, just make yeah. this let's make this chill um recovery is the ability for your body to how do I say this without using the word recover again <laughs> yeah <laughs> definition from, doesn't include uh, the, the word, word that you're trying oh, to define yeah. but that's okay it's your ability to recover from all forms of activity to be able to perform at the same level or potentially even better so it's your body's ability to uh yeah fully Absorb I want to say rest and recover. Yeah, absorb all forms of inflammation and, you know, micro damage that occurs during exercise and to be able to get going ready for the next lot. <laughs> that was not a technical definition, but that effectively is what recovery is. Yeah. And it's that period of time between exercises. That's what recovery is. Is that yes. pe- is, And it starts as soon as you stop exercising. Yep. It's that period of time. Um, and, yeah, between then and the time that you get going again. And I think if we, talk, we think about other sports like football, as an example, netball, there's generally an off-season. Yes. Pole dancers, we don't really have off-seasons. Like I know as my studio, we only close down for two weeks of a year. That's better than a lot of studios. Yeah, and a lot there are studios that will just run all year round. So you as a pole dancer or as somebody who goes to pole dancing classes in a studio have the choice to pole dance all the time. And generally speaking, your memberships aren't set up for deloads. No, no, they're not set up for recovery. So we can imagine why it's more challenging to recover. But how should a pole dancer or how how should they? (laughs) (laughs) How do I even get here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I didn't even go anywhere. How should I recover from a pole class? Is that better? <laughs> that was great. That was fabulous. <laughs> We're not delirious. Um, <laughs> it's not late on a Sunday afternoon no, after a big week at not all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I, I'm going to answer your question by also going back a step, which was okay. the talking about the two weeks off that yep. you have, well, your studio has, because um, it usually happens around the time of year that we also deload from our life. So yeah. oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, have off from work. It's usually over that Christmas break where you have no idea what day of the week it is. Yeah, and funnily, people go, "I have so much more time on my hands. All I want to do is pole." 
Yes. So I'm just going to start the episode with that and go. Um, <laughs> and I actually see that a lot of people end up doing more polls sometimes over when their studio closes, they end up using their home polls a lot more. They, yeah, because yeah. they miss it. And yeah. I think too mentally we go, I don't want to lose. What I've and they, like People freak out. They yes. really do. I have so many patients who go, I'm so worried about not polling for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll address that. I was going to be like, is that, I'm we like can, I think we that's... We can dive, dive no, we no. can do whatever, but let's start answering your question. So yes. I will, we'll start with My that. question that took me a while to get, yeah. I think it's important we answer it. <laughs> you can clearly see how relaxed we are around each other. <laughs> this is fabulous. Fabulous. Um, okay, so how should I recover from pole? Or yes. just any form of exercise in general. Yes. So we've got the big ticket items and then we've got the less... Big ticket items, the, the smaller small ticket, ticket items, <laughs> <laughs> the less important, the one percenters. Let's call them the one percenters, and in re- in reality, they may be more than one percent. But um, okay, so the big ticket items are your um, sleep, your hydration, and your food. Right. I'm just hydrating. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We want to see that, don't we? So sleep, we need roughly eight to nine hours of sleep, and that's going to depend on the individual. But yeah. um, we in the perfect world, we'd all have nine hours of sleep every night. That's just, you know, probably some people there listening straight away that are like, that's just not feasible for me. I have a young child or, you know, I have mm. this or that happening or I have insomnia. That may not actually physically be possible for you. So you just maximise the amount of sleep that you can actually get at this point in time. But if you are, you know, struggling with insomnia or you have some um, – other challenges that are thrown your way, then make sure you're seeing um, a healthcare professional that can assist you with that. So whether it's your doctor or a sleep specialist or or whatever you need to. Um, but for everyone else who has really no other excuse, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it, get eight to nine hours sleep a night. Go to bed early. Look at some really good sleep hygiene um, activities. So put down your phone, um, put it onto the blue the dark screen, yeah, whatever change, it's called. change your screen, change your screen, make it warmer, get rid of your blue light, exactly, get rid of that, yeah, and have a white, white light, uh, no, put white it onto blue light, yeah, sorry, yeah, your <laughs> white light, um, have a nighttime routine, that, exactly, that helps, yeah. yeah, have a little, you know, spray or something to refresh your face, have a face mask, some creams, whatever it is you do, you don't have to do any of those things, that's not actually like a medical recommendation, but <laughs> get your get your routine, get like dark lights, no bright lights, make yep. sure you've eaten well in advance, like don't want to go to bed on a full stomach yes um, need to digest otherwise your body won't be able to relax properly um so some really good sleep hygiene is going to be very helpful there um in terms of food for recovery so make sure that you have something pretty much ready to go after you stop exercising mm-hmm. so before exercise um we would recommend some low gi based food um, whereas after exercise you usually want some high GI high GI food. Um, so you're looking at things like white bread, bananas, um, just okay. like really um, still healthy food. Um, mm. But you might make yourself like a little peanut butter sandwich, for example. Um, yeah, and that's ready to go. I peanut butter sandwich in ages. I know. It's funny when you say white bread, I, I feel that growing up you, you form this opinion that white bread is like the devil. <sighs> I know it's not. Interesting. Yeah. Look and look. If you're like one of those people that was like, I don't like white bread. That's okay. You don't have to do white bread. Just bread. <laughs> just an example. <laughs> just, just an example. It's okay. Uh, you can have your whole meal multigrain <laughs> bread if you would like. Um, but the idea is you need some energy and some quick energy. Um, so the sooner you can get it, the better. But it's not an issue if you can't get it within the first you know, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. try and get it in within the first four hours um, post-exercise, but ideally within the first 30 to 60 minutes yep. is better. So if you have a banana there, so it's, a, you know, up in your 
I was going to say in your pole bag, but if it's anything like me, it would be squished by the end of the session. <laughs> so maybe next to your pole bag. And that way you've just got a quick source of energy to help um, replenish that. And yep. then you can follow it up with a proper meal within four hours um, of exercise. Um, and then hydration. We usually say whatever you um, lose during uh, exercise is what you should be putting back into your body plus a little bit extra um, the only way you can really know that is if you weigh yourself before and after which yeah, we I was going to ask how do I do measure. that yeah look yeah that's that's the easiest cheat way of doing it is to actually just weigh yourself before and after um, that sometimes is just a little bit too much for people so mm-hmm. I would just say try and have a good amount of water in per day and if you the easiest I, I think probably this the nicest maybe not nicest the easiest way to measure other than weighing yourself is to look at the color of your urine so actually just go okay this is maybe a little bit too dark um i need to have some more water exactly that's that's probably the simplest way um to measure but um in high level sports um we'll make athletes weigh in weigh out um and then we'll make sure well they know straight away they're like okay i've lost three um three liters i will Maybe not three liters. I've lost like, a liter. That's a lot. <laughs> I've lost a kilo. They'll know that they have to drink a, a liter, and yep. usually we add an extra five hundred mils on that. So they'll, um, within how many hours post exercise? This is like a two-hour high-level AFL match. Yeah, I was going to run say, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so they've lost a bit of water. My thoughts were going to pole. Generally speaking, we don't sweat a lot unless well, unless, you, <laughs> <be>. <laughs> unless but, you have hyperhidrosis. Yeah, like. There's definitely sweating that happens in our classes, but we don't want to sweat too much because it doesn't help us on the pole. Yeah. So our hydration intake might be... L- it might be a bit less than AFL, for example, which uh, they're working at a completely different energy system than what we are most of the time. They're working in their um, anaerobic system a lot, um, and so they're producing high levels of cardiovascular exercise and activity mm. that's just driving their their perspiration um but yeah pole dancers will also perspire and that will probably be more likely in a dance class um, yeah. as opposed to say a strength class we still will perspire in a strength class but you maybe might not notice it as much um yeah. because you're spending a little bit more time standing around chatting and we're more likely to sit in our aerobic system um, which is where our body is able to um, create energy a little bit more at a relaxed state so we just don't get the heart rate pumping mm-hmm. as much and so our sweat system's not as active so, yeah, so immediately afterwards, the high-ticket items we said were sleep, yep. food, which is immediately after, hydration. Yep. yep, so they're the big ones. They're the big ones. Yep. And what are one percenters? Okay, so there's things, like I said, that may not be actually 1%. Okay. So they could be a bit more than 1%. Okay. So it's just kind of like a colloquial term for people who are listening. Yeah, it's going to be like, where'd the term come from? It's a very sport-specific term. Where oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know. Like, we, just in the sport world, will be like... These are your your things, your bread and butter, and like do them. And yeah. these are your one percenters, and we which think, are like your add-ons, your add-ons. And I okay. think the problem is that we quite often the the big ticket items aren't sexy. No, I don't know. I love sleep. I mean, I love sleep too. <laughs> like, I, I definitely get my I definitely get my eight to nine hours. Yeah, every night. And if I don't, you know, because I'm just don't function very well. I'm the same. I think um in in a world that likes gimmicks. The not so big ticket items can be really gimmicky and mm-hmm. overutilized, and so therefore, I think um, as healthcare professionals and sports scientists, and we've maybe tried to diminish the value of them by calling them one percenters, okay. so people can actually understand that they're helpful. They definitely are helpful, but they should not be your main form of recovery, mm-hmm. and should not be 
what you're driven towards automatically yep. because it's really easy to fall into that here, throw money at the problem situation. So are we saying that one percenters are things like a massage? Yeah. Those types of things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so you could be looking at um, so self massage, foam rollers. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you can you can and again none of these are bad. <laughs> so just because they're a one percenter doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do. Um, but yeah, foam rollers, self massage, or external. So actually going to a healthcare provider or a massage provider and actually doing that. Uh, things like contrast showers, um, like hot, hot cold. cold showers. Yeah, um, or ice baths, um, which. Look, that's just a – you could almost do a whole episode on that. So we won't <laughs> I was going to ask you a question, but I'm like, I feel like it's going to open a rabbit hole. It's going to open a rabbit hole. Um, the evidence is not amazing. Okay. I'll leave it there. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, certainly not from a um, recovery point of view. Yeah. yeah okay. there, there is some evidence for ice baths, but it's not amazing. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, but if you are one that loves ice baths, and there are definitely pole dancers out there who do, like – power to you that is not me um <laughs> you get cold that's fine i'll be sitting here sipping a cup of tea uh, with, a, with a warm blanket on um, i was like we were talking about baths earlier and i'm like my baths are so hot i like sweat afterwards and my face is red that i'd um, rather that yeah <laughs> that is me i'm a hot bath sort of person not a nice bath person but if you are a nice bath person and you as i always say to people as long as it does no harm mm-hmm. and long as you realize that whatever gains you're getting from this are not there to replace what you should be doing when it comes to sleep hydration and diet yeah um uh, you could be looking at things like uh light yoga stretching um sort of just like light mobility work as another form of recovery um you could be looking at or any other form of light cardiovascular activity so like swimming like for floating (laughs) (laughs) die yeah walking walking yeah walking's a good one um so i'd probably say that that's probably more than one percent of recovery Mm. that's really nice to get moving but again not in the big three um meditation mindfulness uh relaxation strategies um so these are the next few are probably the ones that i would say a bit more gimmicky your sauna and infrared sort of chambers um no evidence about um whether they're going to actually assist you. But again, some people really enjoy them. Fine. Mm. If it does no harm, I'm okay with that. And then compressive clothing or boots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not much evidence, but if it makes you feel good and go you've got access it. to it, go for it. But I guess too, when you're thinking about massages and what were the other ones, meditation, some of that comes plays in for our mental health as well Absolutely. and not just our physical health. So it just depends what it is that you need. I know yeah. I went to a massage therapist recently, um, like I talked to in the last episode, the one thing that I wasn't getting out of his ear was that physical release. So yeah. I went to the massage therapist and she's like, look, I don't think you need to come to me regularly because of you physically. She's like... Mentally. Yeah, she's like, but this is an hour out of your day where you can't look at your phone and be in your business mind. She's yeah. like, this is why I think you need to come back. And I'm, I'm like, so glad she told you that. Yeah, because <laughs> I would 100 percent agree with that situation. Physically, people actually don't often need any form of hands-on treatment. Yeah. It's usually quite often because it's a, um, it's it's neuromodulating, so it's changing some things in our brain mm-hmm. that actually then hit some switches that help us to relax. Yeah, that's most of the time why we actually enjoy massages, and not everyone actually enjoys a massage. No, I'm not a huge lover of a massage. And that's no. okay, but quite often it's the relaxing, taking time out in your day to switch, switch off, off, and that's the recovery component. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, talk us through a hundred points of recovery system. What 
is this thing? I know you have a blog on it too, don't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 So it's a little system that um, was created um, quite a few years ago now, probably at least 10 plus years ago by some therapists. And I kind of resonated nicely because um, clearly people do like gimmicky things and that's okay. We're not nothing, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Just, you know, some people are probably feeling a bit like looked at right now. see me. I see me. I still see you through our podcast screen. Um, yeah, so it was created and I've kind of adapted it a little bit and um, created uh, this uh, very short blog. I actually created a three-part uh, recovery series when I started the pole physio. I think it was like maybe my second, third and fourth blog. Funny, yeah. yeah. So part one, part two, part three. And the third part of it was this 100 points of recovery, which um, was this concept or idea that every time we exercise after it, we want to try and clock up 100 points. And so um, I'll actually bring it up because yeah. I won't remember it off the top of my head. Um, here we go. So if you got nine hours of sleep um, – after within 24 hours um, after you exercise then you earned 30 points um and when i say within 24 hours of exercise sometimes people only can sleep for six hours but then they get like a nap in later okay so they're still getting they're still it's not a one and done yeah as a it's accumulated yeah yeah exactly but within that period of time of 24 hours um and then but to note there is that if you got less than nine hours then every hour that you had less in total, you lost five points. So five points for every hour. So if I only had seven hours sleep, I'd get 20 points. 20 points. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So you're still getting points. Mm. It's not that you're losing. Like, mm. Yeah. Um, but obviously if you slept only like four hours, you're not doing so good there. So it's a point s- system. <laughs> yeah. So if I sleep for more than that, does that – Give Look, me more or do, does it – am I getting a bit technical here? Yeah, you're getting a bit technical. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting a bit technical. I'm like, I just wanted to feel good about myself because I sleep more than nine hours. Look, you won't get an extra five points, but I'll personally give you a gold okay. star. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Uh, yeah, no, you won't, you won't get extra points for that one because it's yeah. – uh, there, there comes a point where even the good things plateau, like yeah. the benefits out of them. Yeah, the so. benefit – like the extra add to it is just minimal. minimal. Yeah. Exactly. If you said to me, I slept nine hours and I did an hour of meditation and relaxation, I'd be like, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so then other things in the 100 points. So we're looking at um, high GI intake and mm-hmm. protein um, within four hours of exercise. Mm-hmm. So I talked before about um, getting in some GI, but you also do want a, a good solid meal as well. So mm-hmm. that should include protein. Um, and that's 20 points. Okay. So, so far, if we're sleeping and we're eating – that's 50 points. We're already halfway there. Exactly. And then if you're replenishing all the fluid loss plus a little bit extra, it's 20 points. So we're at 70? Yeah. If we're doing all the big ticket items? Exactly. Yeah. That's so e- that feels easy. That's easy. There's a pass, right? It's more yeah. than a pass already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please get degree. No. <laughs> Please get degrees, guys. <laughs> so you are flying so yeah. far at 70. <laughs> you're good. You're like almost high distinction. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So then the these are then the one percenters, or in this case, it's clearly 30%. <laughs> clearly, I can't do maths, but no. Um, so things like a massage yep. would be 15 points. Um, going for a light walk mm-hmm. is 15 
points. Yep. So that's 15 minutes. 15 yep. minutes of meditation is oh, – sorry, that's 10 points, but I'd probably – I'd bump it up these days. Now, I wrote this a few years ago. I'd actually probably change it around. I reckon massage drops down in terms of the points and then I'd say that light, point, uh, light walking and meditation actually increases. So I'd probably bump them up to 15. Maybe I'll have to go in and redo this. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so the idea is that you're trying to do maybe one or two extra things on yep. top of it between sessions that help to self-care. That's what it comes yes. down to is self-care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we've got like light swimming or contrast showers or stretching yoga. So all those gimmicky things are in there. You yeah. can just, if you were to utilize this to help as a guide, because if you're anything like me, you probably struggle to figure out how to yes. recover or relax. So sometimes you need that guide to help you. So you could use this to be like, I like to go for a sauna and this is how much my recovery would be on exactly. top of xyz yeah so it's there for um certain brains types that need that mm. and like there are definitely people out there who are like i just need a checklist almost to like go okay well these are the, the three things i need to do or two things i need to do yeah yeah because depends how you structure your pole week mm. squeezing is squeezing these in between work and yep. exercise if I was to do, let's say, a three-hour pole session. You should not, but yep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I just know that some – anyway, if I was to do a three-hour pole session, wouldn't I need to recover more? Yeah. Okay. You also wouldn't be able to walk through. Yeah. So, I mean. okay, let's say a three-hour <laughs> pole session that's like a tricks class, a dance class, and my level class. Still a lot of pole in my That's night. a lot of pole. Can we maybe make that a tricks class, a dance class, and a flexibility class? Yes. Because that's probably more realistic. That's probably what people actually do out there as opposed to three hours of oh <laughs> your naughty. Just I don't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know what my students do. Oh, God. So um, if you're one of my students, you also need. Yeah. Listen up. Yeah. I Yes. You, you're, I love that you guys love pole. Yeah. I really do. But I want you to also look, at, look after your bodies. Sorry, people out there listening. <laughs> it's uh, your body can only produce so much good stuff. Yeah, and it most of it is produced within the first forty-five minutes of exercise. Exercise for okay. pole, for pole dancers at the high level that we're required. We're not professional athletes now. If we were professional full-time athletes that are required to perform once a week, and we trained our body once a week or trained our body multiple times a week to be able to perform for two or three hours straight at a high intensity level so that was our full-time gig mm. then sure like yeah then I've got no issues with you training two or three hours in one yeah. but most of the time we aren't we're people that are exhausted because we've got full-time jobs some of us have kids some of us have other responsibilities we're you know mentally emotionally exhausted and then we're trying to train for three hours on top of that ain't no way your body is going to produce anything good in three hours, if within the first hour, probably 45 minutes, like I said, your body is already neurologically completely fatigued. Mm. And then you are trying to push it through. You're quite often not creating great movement patterns that your body's going to um, retain onto. So something to consider is that shorten your pole sessions from the actual like heavy intense stuff to ideally an hour. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I trained yesterday for an hour and a half solid and that was – uh, training for a comp routine and it was um, a dance comp routine as opposed to a tricks one but there were floor tricks in there yeah and so I was able to train for that hour and a half because it's not a go 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 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's hard and fast routine, but it's it's different. It's different yeah. than like me just. Continuing. So it's considering what you're doing in that. Exactly. Let's say three hours yeah. or two hours or whatever, and how you can manage a load for yourself. So mix it. You know, taking a flexi class, providing it's not a full on, exactly heavy active flex with a tricks yeah. class and vice versa. Yeah. Or or you know you're going to do a dance class that is more dance and cardio than yeah. So every Physical Thursday tricks. I do an hour of dance mm-hmm. and then I do an hour of tricks. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's fine. If I was to add an hour of flexibility on that, my body would be shot. Yeah. And I know that's my body and some people would be like, no, that's fine. I'm fine. But I can assure you in the long term, it's not going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and like going fine. back to our last <laughs> podcast episode where we talked about the peak of like 30s. So just because we're over 30 now. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> just crying emoji face popping up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, man, man, man. <laughs> um, so in saying that, we've talked about how much we should be maybe not um, stacking uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Stacking our classes. How many rest days should I have a week? It's going to depend on you and okay. a lot of factors individually. Yeah. So um, there's never a one-size-fits-all approach for like how much should we be polling versus how much shouldn't we be polling. We, just, we can have sort of like general rules in place. Um, and so I would say like general rules are for beginners like – I want a few more rest days. I'd probably want about three rest days as a bare minimum. And that's not from pole. That's from exercise. Yeah. And when we're saying exercise, like I walk my dog every morning. Different. Would that be more recovery? That's more of a, yeah, this is a really good point. If you're walking with intensity, Mm -hmm. like proper intensity, then that's exercise. If you're walking your dog for a casual stroll around Mm -hmm. the block and you could hold a full conversation with your your bestie, like, mm. you know, while sipping a latte, that's not exercise. I mean, it is still exercise per the exercise guidelines, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Yeah. That is you walking the dog and the dog's getting more exercise than you probably because it's moving its short little legs. Um, unless you've got a dog like my, my Groodle and he's like, takes he's bigger steps little, than me. Yeah. Lanky legs. Yeah, no, so that's that's different. So um, in terms of rest, um, so that's a really good question. Like how do you actually quantify exercise and so forth? So um, the American guidelines of exercise would quantify walking as a part of the exercise per okay. week. Um, but if we're talking about like rest days, I'm talking about like I want three rest days from huff and puff style exercise. Exercise that actually fatigues you to some degree. It doesn't have to be hard, always intense exercise, but it fatigues you to some degree mm-hmm. that you need to recover from it. Like if you think about your morning walk, usually we don't need to recover from our morning walk. No. That's that's probably yeah. how I'm classifying exercise here. Okay. Um, so yeah, beginners should at least have three days off from exercise like that. Okay. And even flexibility exercise is like that. So while she can hold a conversation during flexibility class, you're physically exhausted and tired after it. So mm. anything that makes your body kind of like shaky even, yep. yeah, that, that's also included. But if we're looking at like more your advanced um, students, you're looking at least two days off mm. and elites is a bare minimum of one, but ideally two. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and I, I've, I've been generous with beginners and said three, but even sometimes I say four with them. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a beginner, what was your background before you came to pole? That's the main thing. So yeah. that's why I'm saying, like, that's why I kind of was like, I'm being generous with three, but some of the beginners, I might even say two. And mm. it, it really does depend on what is their physical condition, what's their experience, what's their training history. So that's why it really depends on you as to number of rest days. Yeah. Um. 
So I'm, I'm going to really enjoy diving into this next question. Yeah. Because I load. Yeah. <laughs> Something – and I don't think the system – and I mean I'm a part of this. I don't think the system from a studio perspective sets us up to deload very yeah. well. Unless we offer lots of classes where some of those classes could be a lighter yeah. exercise class. So what is deload week? Yeah. And, and how often should – a deload come up for a pole dancer. Yeah. I'm trying to think how to answer this easiest. I think what we need to do is understand the process of recovery to answer deload, deload well. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Okay. And then I'll come back and answer that question. So because <laughs> I want to talk about deload week and effectively there's this big process that happens. It's called supercompensation. And you'll everyone listening will be like, whoa, what's that? But it, it – will only make sense once you understand supercompensation. Okay. So when we exercise, we have a, a baseline exercise level, our like capacity, our energy. And what happens is if this is baseline across – so for those who can see me, you'll see I'm, I'm kind of making like a line across the room, horizontal line. Think of like an axis. Axis. Is that the x-axis? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's x. The x. Yeah. yeah, good. We did math. So that's the horizontal <laughs> one. So think about looking out to the ocean yeah. and the horizon – so a straight line across that's, yeah. that's your baseline of your fitness. Every time we exercise, we dip below the baseline. So we finish off fatigued, exhausted, our body breaks down. Mm-hmm. Our muscles micro tear, there's inflammation, and it does this so we can actually get stronger. So our body basically dips below base time. Sorry, below baseline. That's mm-hmm. our fatigue. Then we have to go through this process of recovery. So that's the first step of recovery. So our body will start to uh, repair itself. So those micro tears will start to um, stitch back together. <laughs> like they, they, start to, they start to recover. So our body will actually lay down new collagen. Um, it will go through that full inflammation process and get rid of any swelling and bleeding, bruising. And it will actually start to bulk and grow muscle size and strength and neurological connections. All these things will start to lay down over many, many weeks of us exercising. Is this to protect our muscles? The way you just explained that, what came into my mind is, is is it getting bigger to protect itself from future tears? Ideally. Yeah. But it's also getting bigger so we get stronger. Yeah. And so we become fitter and can do better things. Mm-hmm. More things. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and do things well eventually. So with, you know, good technique and all, all of that sort of stuff. Mm. So – we eventually recover to a point that our body hits baseline again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stop there. So what mm-hmm. happens is because our body started to rebuild, it actually supercompensates and it overbuilds. So it gets so strong mm-hmm. that our fitness level increases mm-hmm. to before to higher than baseline level. So yeah. we are now above couple, the horizon above rather the horizon. than in the sea. So when yeah, we're fatigued, we're in the water. At, yeah. And then when we're oh, great analogy. I know, I'm loving it. I'm <laughs> you're excited. The, you're when you're fatigued, you're swimming with the fishes. <laughs> yeah. You're in with the dolphins. <laughs> and then when you've done enough recovery, yeah. you hit the horizon. You're now in the clouds. Okay, we're now flying with some birds. Yeah, well, birds. Actually, birds is good. Birds is a great, <laughs> yes, because we've got levels here. Yeah, so <laughs> we've got this. This is good to see. If you, I mean, for anyone watching in front of a computer, you can also just bring type in supercompensation to your computer yeah. and you'll bring up a graph and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. It'll uh, make sense. It will make a lot of sense. But at the moment, we're, we're with the birds. Yeah. So what happens is that your body will stay with the birds for maybe 24, 48 hours. And then if you don't train it again, 
it will slowly start to travel back to baseline. So, so back plung- to the horizon. We're, we're plunging into the ocean yeah. again. Not to into the ocean. We'll just travel to the surface of the ocean. So we're just a bird sitting on a boat. Basically. Cruising for a minute. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we're not duck diving for I food. hope I'm not butchering. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. This is actually a great analogy. This is very helpful for a podcast when you can't actually visually yeah. see anything. Because um, quite often when I'm explaining this, I'll usually bring up a graph. Because yeah. then people can visualise it. Yeah. Um, so we've taken a swim into the ocean. We've come back up past the horizon, we've gone to the birds and then we're back now at the horizon. That is what happens every time we exercise. Okay. But what we want to do is when we recover, we want to take advantage of this supercompensation process. So if we were to train when we're swimming with the ocean, in the ocean with the fishies, if we were to train again, then our body will actually go deeper into the ocean. Mm. So our body will break down even further and we'll go for a deeper dive, which is not good. Then we have to recover for longer exactly. to get back to the horizon. Yeah. So that's one thing. So that's if we train too early. So that mm-hmm. is a, I've trained today, I'm training again later tonight or tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's okay. So sometimes it's okay if we then have a greater recovery period or if our body is uh, ready for that load and it's mm-hmm. used to that load. So I'm not trying to demonize training twice a day because that is okay for some people. But mm-hmm. when you're a beginner, that is pretty much a no-no for you. Mm-hmm. Um. So the other thing to take in consideration is how deep the dive into the ocean is dependent on the load and the intensity of the training session to start with. So you might only dip a little bit into the ocean or down into the graph (laughs) if you had a light or a medium intensity exercise versus if you've gone too hard, too fast, kind of like maybe uh, exercise that... The the exercise that put me out for four days. days. (laughs) Yeah, which is not ideal. So that's a a good good amount of doms. It's a fair amount of doms. Um, Then that is a hard intensity exercise uh, that maybe wasn't felt during the session but felt afterwards and then that means it's going to take longer to recover so Mm. that's that period okay so i'm I'm swimming with the fishes for longer because i went too hard exactly yeah Okay, I'm hoping everyone's with me, but I'm, if you're, <laughs> as a non-trained physio, if you're with me still, yeah, then this I'm is a good example. Yeah, okay, yeah. fabulous. All right, so then we've got up to baseline and if we trained there for our next session, then we're just basically diving into the ocean, coming back to the surface, diving into the ocean, tr- coming back to the surface. Okay. So if we are training too soon, then we're not actually super compensating. Mm-hmm. So the point of when you actually train between sessions is really important. Okay. So if you were to wait until we're in the air with the birds, when we're actually our body has built back some strength plus some more, then it's feeling seriously strong. And you'll know what I'm talking about for anyone who's experienced this, where they've just hit that right amount of peak training, maybe a few days after their session, three or so days after, and they're like, holy wow, I feel super strong today. I feel like I couldn't do this three days ago, but today mm. I can. And nothing's changed in three days. Yeah, okay. But I feel like I'm so much stronger. And it's not like it's a significant difference in the hormone cycle either. It's not like yeah, that. I, was gonna, like, <laughs> I just put that down to hormones. <laughs> so, and sometimes you can because it's like, okay, the progesterone's hit because I'm like, you because know. Because you this. know I'm where I am in my cycle. Exactly. Yeah. But like it's three days. So let's be honest, not much has changed in terms of hormones. We're, you know, slowly changing. Um, that is super compensation. Okay. Yeah. So if we can hit that right point with training days, then that means we're recovering really well. We're hitting that peak of supercompensation and our body's able to maximise gains. And then we start to keep on soaring up. So we then next time we train, so second training session, we dip a little bit. We maybe don't hit the ocean this time. We start supercompensating and we're flying in the clouds now. 
And we're going <laughs> higher in the clouds? We're going higher. So our baseline level of fitness, which was sitting at the horizon of the ocean, yep. is now moving up into oh, the clouds okay. and we're getting stronger but if we were to train too quickly or we trained too hard then we actually start declining into the ocean so okay. figuring out when your training session should be and the intensity of your training session and how long it should go for are all really important factors in mm-hmm. terms of how we recover so how do we find that out usually with <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny question is it so usually trial and error yeah but also usually common sense okay yeah so um that's where the instructors will guide you um, mm-hmm. and, you know, people have come before us that have done this stuff mm-hmm. before. So their experience is very helpful but also healthcare professional yeah. guidance will also basically dictate that. So we as healthcare professionals, we have the governing bodies that, you know, then guide the smaller exercise bodies. That's then when how instructors then get trained and so forth mm-hmm. and then that's how the information, information follows on down the yeah. path. So, you know, your instructors should to some degree guide you during the session. You're going a bit too hard. Like, you know, pull yeah. it back a little bit or the problem is when we self-guide and we don't have the experience or knowledge. So if we go to do a practice session and we are in the studio for three hours straight mm. and that's, you know, our own fault because no one's there stopping us being like, class is finished. Yeah. Or, you know, you're you're going too hard there. You're going to hurt yourself. That is literally how you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Train too hard, too long, too quick. Because then you are micro-tearing and basically breaking down your body. So physically in terms of the muscles, but also your, you know, your energy storage. You've only got so much of that. Your, your body's just going to exhaust itself. And yeah. the recovery process you need is so much that in the meantime, you actually don't super compensate you're going to take much longer before you even get to baseline level. So yeah. by the time you train next, it's going to be a whole week pretty much between because your body won't let you train. Yeah. Or if you try to train too quickly and you haven't even recovered, you're going down a, what we call super compensation negative, which is where you're going down into the ocean. And yeah. that's going to lead to disaster if you keep going like that for too long. Yeah, if you're diving too deep. I hope that all makes sense because then I'll come back to your question about deload weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets really complicated, right? All right, deload week. I did say in the last po- podcast I was going to get nerdy, but I feel like this is the nerdy part. Yeah, this, this one is, is like, wait. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm Great. following. I, I honestly really appreciate this analogy of the ocean. So, okay. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> I'm loving it. So we are week one of term. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's an eight-week term. Mm-hmm. And week one we start to train. Maybe we've got – Three training sessions a week. Okay. okay. Let's, yeah, I think that's pretty standard. That's reasonable. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. standard. Most pole dancers end up doing about three. Yeah. yeah. Three to four. Yeah. Um, let's say three tr- trick sessions just to keep it basic, basic yeah. and easy and understandable. So we've got three training sessions a week. And then what happens is we are probably not giving us enough time to actually super compensate by having three. Mm-hmm. That's, that's okay. So what happens is we start to see a downward trend in our baseline fitness. Whilst our strength can actually improve in this period of time through neurological improvements, in that eight-week period, we actually start to go towards the ocean mm-hmm. as opposed towards the clouds. So a deload week is needed here. Okay. Because without that deload week, we're going to keep on trending down. Mm. So what is a deload week? It is where we do some activities, some pole-based activities, but at a much lighter intensity or potentially we don't do any of the moves at all. So Mm. it may be that we actually step away from pole or aerial for that week, um, but quite often it will be uh, we do some things on the pole but at a considerable reduction of intensity. 
So a good example for this could be an intermediate student going back and doing beginner classes for the week that they want to deload. Absolutely. So they can still be there and not have that fear of losing stuff but going back to those basics and – and not it's going a, hard. And not going – yeah, and that's a, and I think this sometimes is a struggle and maybe it's just because that's my personality type. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, because quite often when you go back a level, you're like, oh, look at me, I can do all the things. So you do so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It also just may mean that you stay in your class level, but as a part of all of this, the um, y- your teacher has included in the syllabus a lighter week. Mm. So week eight may actually be a light week. Yeah, that's just structured in. Yeah, so that's really helpful for studios to think about that. Yeah. So uh, quite often, so my studio we have grading week in week seven. If people want to grade, then we well we all do it regardless, which is a great time if you're <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Davis. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's week week seven is pretty much grading week. Uh, week six is also like a high intensity load week. So we kind of climb throughout the um, the term and peak around week six, week seven, and then week eight is kind of what we almost deem fun week, <laughs> which is okay. terrible. They all fun week, but um, week eight is where we'll actually do a lighter week generally because we're doing non syllabus based activities. So this okay. is for our, this is for our syllabus class yeah. specifically yeah. Um, so it ends up being a bit of a deload week mm-hmm. and it gives our body a bit of a, a break whilst we're still doing some activity yep so a deload, deload week does not have to mean complete rest and in fact it doesn't mean complete rest it does mean that you can continue with all your other exercise off the pole but it should be effectively where we're reducing the amount of time that we spend in the air and in fact i would encourage people as much as possible to trade their tricks classes on deload week for a dance class or a flexibility class so something where we're not pulling our body weight so we okay. want to deload from how much load we're actually lifting which is ourselves yeah yeah and could load be intensity yeah. So well. if you're going to go take a dance class with an instructor who's known for like a hard style, fast paced, it's not ideal for deload week. Correct. Exactly. So uh, we have like fierce flow at our studio. So I wouldn't go and do that necessarily on a deload yeah. week. I would maybe look at more flex and flow for my studio, which is more of a chiller dance sort yeah. of style. Yeah. Or I might look at a um, like a release class or a, yeah, like a, a flexibility class that isn't aimed to getting splits for example yeah or like i might if my body felt capable like if it was a legs class for example mm. that might be more suitable so if it's mm. a leg flexibility versus a, I train my body so much during the term for upper body strength and flexibility that doing a back bend class isn't appropriate yeah. maybe so it's about context because <laughs> the context is matter and you can see there's a lot of variables in the mm. situation here to understand but that is that effectively is what a deload is a deload week is and um we should be taking them roughly every eight to 12 weeks and okay. airless, That's a, good, a good like guide yeah airless, yep. we're terrible at that oh yeah yeah and so it's not about complete rest um because people freak out when they think about deload weeks it's not about that at all you should be still exercising it just is that week that our body actually needs to super compensate and my gosh you will feel the difference yeah so i will probably say that uh you should actually the best way for me to say this you shouldn't wait until you feel overtrained to rest so in other words you shouldn't wait until you're desperate for a break exactly yeah. you shouldn't wait until you feel tired or exhausted to take a break you should you should rest before you feel overtrained yeah that's the key bit of knowledge there okay. is that if you can actually incorporate deload weeks into your cycle on a regular and honor them then you will reduce your risk of um, injury um, and you will reduce the need for you to actually take pro- 
like full rest, dedicated rest mm. days or weeks in the longer term because you actually are caring for your body as you go. Yeah. And that's, that's cycling, like creating cycles within our calendar year. And I think it's really important to share that if you don't want to not go to your level class, you can still go there and do the regressions of it. Yeah. If, you're, if your levels have been built or your syllabus has been built in a progressive nature, you should be able to go to the class and go, okay, well, we did, we're doing butterflies today. Um, I can either, I can regress this by not going fully into the butterfly and just like getting my split grip movement before my leg comes off. Or I can ask the instructor, what's the trick before this? Yeah. Or you can see that in your syllabus. So your deload can be going to your same classes and just doing a much lesser version. And and I think that's okay. Like I would find that completely acceptable as if a student came to me in class and was like, I'm here, I'm actually on a deload. Can you give me a lesser version of this? And coming back to that episode I did about communication, this is where communication becomes really important in our classes, which I don't think we utilise well enough as a community. Is like, even if you've had a shit day, walk in and be like, it's been really tough. I'm just going to do some basics today and I'm not going to do every single set you want me to do of a butterfly as an example. So, I think the other thing is then um, studios could look at including – a deload week into their Mm. curriculum or looking at having a lighter week and that would then save the need for your students to think about it so yeah for talking about you know how do we know when to put rest days and how do we Mm. know like all these things and we look to instructors they can't necessarily schedule our programming for us in terms of like i do two classes here and this and that there but what we can do as studio owners is making sure that we have a lighter week consistent Mm. to everyone across the board and that might be where you train stuff from the level below and that's you know you do that at a lighter intensity so things that people are already comfortable with Mm. so they're not challenging the body as much as what it would for the current level that they're at yeah, yeah, I love some that. considerations to think about there. Yeah, because I know I know a lot of people will struggle with the concept of a deload week. Yes, it's something that's very um, new for us, sport and art form, and I think um, it's something that we do across every other form of exercise. Uh, so if you were, you know, a netballer, if you're a footballer, if you're a hockey player, it doesn't matter. Like if you've got a strength and conditioning team behind you, they they basically periodize your year into you know twelve week cycles called macro cycles, and then they'll break them up into three lots of four um, and then like you know they've got mesocycles and microcycles and all this sort of stuff and and they'll actually figure out what you should be training and when and what your goals are and they'll actually figure out the load compared like to to what your demands and your needs and your goals mm-hmm. are so we don't need to go too in depth with all of that but we do need to consider rest and utilizing appropriate rest through deloads and given like we are attending group fitness classes it's you know, from a general perspective. So I think it's great if a studio can actually put that at least into their level classes. Yeah. So your level classes are done um, well. Just be mindful of time. Is oh, yeah. there anything that you want to finish off with? Um, maybe just in terms of for people who need to have a break. Um, so say, for example, you do hurt yourself and you – uh have to take a a period of time away from pole because i do get this question a bit in terms of uh injury um and going back to pole they're worried about how much they'll lose Mm. so it's like a forced rest um so and how do i recover from this and how do i get back obviously you're seeing your healthcare professional and they'll guide you through the rehab process but um i do want to just let everyone know out there that i've also uh, 
muscles. Our muscles, <laughs> our body muscles, <laughs> our muscles have memory. Yes. And so if we've trained them to a point before, what happens is they build up um, multiple nuclei in the muscle that actually have a, a memory of how to be used and um, how to work. And so whilst we, when we rest, our muscles do lose some of the growth, the size that we built up over time, they still retain their memory. And so the time it will take you to build back that muscle and that strength is quite um Quite less comparatively. So, mm. uh, so don't be afraid of uh, the process. Enjoy the process, but it won't take as long as you think it will to get mm. back to where you were. If you do have to have a break, and be kind to yourself in be that break because yeah. it can be hard sometimes. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for nerding out with us. I feel like this one was so much nerdier. So I loved much. it. <laughs> loved it. I, I forgot how nerdy I get with this stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm diving on in, yeah, literally diving in, and yeah. then coming back out and. Flying with the birds. As I say, we need some, yeah, some little analogies and metaphors and which you did well there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. If um, our listeners want to come nerd out with you, mm. where can they find you? Uh, at the poll.physio on Instagram and poll.physio on Facebook and also threads as well. Now. Oh, you're on threads? I'm on threads, yeah. Are and you loving it? I'm, en- I'm enjoying the, the vibes at the moment. Okay. So, like, it's a, it's a positive space and we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's early, it's it's early, early days. days. It's early days. It's early days. Yeah, we'll and I, technically I do have a TikTok as well, but nothing's getting posted on there at the moment. You just secured your handle? I've secured my handle. She listened to, yeah. I listened to you. I, I listened to that podcast. <laughs> I did. I was like, damn, just steps in my head now. Just, I think that's the only reason I went and got threads was to secure handles. That, that was literally my reason as well because yep. you were in my head. Yeah. You were there and I was like, okay, do what Steph said. If you want to keep your handles consistent, just yep. always jump on it. You don't have to utilize it. Just jump on it and get it. Yep. Um, thank you again for sharing so much knowledge with us today about recovery. I feel like this is going to be one that the listeners are going to take so much away from. And I even know as a studio owner, as I am reviewing my curriculum, is definitely taken a couple of gems um, on how I can help my community look after their bodies better because that is priority for me as a studio owner is how can I can build a curriculum that is going to look after my students. Yeah. Because, yeah, it is hard because it's not a one-on-one where you can be like, this is what I, everything I'm doing, help me look after my body. It's having to approach that from a group setting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I loved and it. We're going to cover this in so much more depth in the actual workshop. workshop. So, yeah. so jump onto the uh, program for Pole Workshop, Cross yep. Training 101. Um, there available. will be a link in the bio. So yeah. go. All the links will be there. Yeah, and I will also link your um, blog for 100 points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. because we talked about that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate okay. it. Anytime. Um, and come hang out with us on Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Uncovered Podcast, I would absolutely love it if you could leave a review. As a thank you, I will send you our Addictive Pole Fitness Invert Bundle, the ultimate guide to helping you strengthen your inverts. It includes not one, but two invert conditioning videos with options for beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and a stretch video. To access this freebie, All you need to do is leave a review, share a screenshot of that review with uncovered at addictivepolefitness.com and I will send you our must-have invert bundle straight to your inbox.